we have the gremlin perhaps as smoking a cigarette and the autopilot for going for a run. One is negative, one is positive. Now, we have a choice to decide whether we're going to use bad behavior to respond to the cravings, to respond to the motives, the underlying motives, or good behaviors. So that makes sense to people. And on the charts, we need to discover who we are. We need to discover what the underlying motives are that are making us make decisions and then associate good behaviors with them, not bad behaviors. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Jake, and you are listening to The Success Shift, a show where perfection does not exist, but learning and growth take center stage. Have you ever felt stuck? Like you're doing all the work, but not getting the results? Maybe you feel like there's something missing. Perhaps there is some sort of internal shift that's needed to really get you to that next stage of success. Well, buckle up and join me as we jump into the minds of those who have been successful in their field and dive a little deeper into what is actually needed to get you to that next level. Is success just a state of mind? Does believing you're successful act as a catalyst to greater success? Is it something we can work on, or are some people just luckier than others? No matter what you're into or where your passion lies, if you're wanting change or a shift in perspective, then you are definitely going to want to tune in. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. It's Wednesday today and winter is officially here in Germany. We've been snowing all morning, which has been fantastic for me. I know you people in Canada have been seeing snow for almost months now, but uh, as an Aussie, a white Christmas is a nice kind of different feel. And so I really like seeing the, the white snow stick to the ground. So I'm very grateful for, I suppose, the novelty that I get out of um being here in a country where it snows for Christmas compared to one where it's 40 degrees. So that's very nice. If you guys could chuck your gratitude into the chat here. I'm also very grateful for um, relationships and uh, (laughs) the German system, which is very to the books and appointment based. But yesterday we got an email and my partner and I now have a date for our wedding ceremony so we'll be getting married next week which i'm very excited about so i'm very grateful for that i'm very grateful for that next step forward in my life with the family getting married and all the bits and pieces so that makes me very happy we just have a look here thank you very much yeah i'm very excited just gonna have a flick through these chats here grateful for coffee brewing and day with no agenda Love that. That's that's a nice way to spend a day. I blew it yesterday. First time on my laptop instead of my monitor. And wow, does it make a difference? Yeah, I've heard it can be difficult. I've always been trading on laptops um, and now I've got a second monitor to help me. And um, it definitely does help. Morning, friends. I'm grateful for a small welcoming community and the opportunity to rub shoulders with people. Yes, it's great. Grateful for waking up, knowing how much love is around me. Yeah, that's lovely. So happy for you and your beautiful family. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm very happy. Very, very, I'm very happy. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> right. So today I want to discuss, I'm actually going to do some, a bit of reading today on a couple of these books that I was flicking through again. So I've read them in the past. And, you know, as we spoke about last Wednesday, I think it was the ability to relearn, the ability to go over things that you've already heard and learned and see them with a new frame. 
a new reference point because as we grow and develop, we gather new some information which allows us to look at the world in a different frame, different set of eyes or a different perspective, however you want to word it. And I was just looking through a couple of these books, which I've mentioned before, but they are Professor Steve Peters' The Chimp Paradox and Atomic Habits um, by James, what's his name? James Clear. Both great books. Highly recommend reading them if you haven't already. But yesterday we're talking about manifesting and the way that we can use manifestation as, let's say, a, a way to bring the information to the front of our head, to the front of our mind, so that we can start looking for indications of moves or trades that we like in particular. So if we have an idea of what we want to see the charts do, so forecasting what we'd like to happen, then um, we're actually looking for those things. We're looking for signals for those things. We're looking for engulfing candles or you know EMA shifts that are going to work in favor of that. And then as it plays out, we can take a trade with confidence rather than just going, oh, this has just happened. Let's quickly jump in, which unfortunately is what I did today and uh, lost a tra another trade this morning, which is annoying because I'm giving back yesterday's points, but that's just learning. You know, um, We are always on that growth journey. But what I want to do is talk a bit about the third brain we have from the chimp paradox called the computer. And this is about autopilots and habits. And then a little bit about from atomic habits about where cravings come from. So how to, from the chapter, how to find and fix the cause of your bad habits. And I think they coincide pretty well with each other. Um, so just get a, some ones in the chat if you've read atomic habits and some twos in the chat if you have read chimp paradox just so I know if people have got some reference points here. And it's completely fine if you haven't. Neither, one, zero. Okay. Not a problem. Two, cool. Zero, all righty. So the first one I'm going to, let's talk about the chimp paradox here. And so I'm just going to read a little bit. So I'll be reading quite a bit in this session because I think these are really quite good points. So you've heard me talk about the, the human brain, which is the logical brain. And you've heard me talk about the chimp brain, which is the emotional brain, which drives us. Um, but there is this third part of the brain, which is referred to in this book as the computer. But you may have heard reference to it being the autopilot or subconscious mind. Um, lots of different people talk about it in lots of different ways. But here it says the computer functions in detail. So automatic functioning and acting as a reference source, basically. So it can think and act automatically for you using programmed thoughts and behaviors. And it is a reference for information, beliefs, and values. Which I think it's really important to understand. So automatic functioning. Automatic functioning, which is exactly as it sounds, is based on learnt behaviors. Learnt beliefs and automatic programs is when we just act with behaviors or thoughts that we have already worked out and can almost carry them out in our sleep. There is little effort on our part as a human to think. When we combine actions, we can form complicated programs, such as making a cup of coffee or riding a bike, which is event which we eventually do automatically without thinking. So other examples of this, you know, breathing, we don't think about that. Blinking, we don't think about that, but you probably are thinking about both those things now that I've mentioned them. Along with the size of a tongue in our mouth, that's a one to get people with. You don't think about that until someone mentions it. You're like, oh, this is weird. Um, so these are the kind of things that our body does automatically very simple um we learn them from a from a young age we're born with some of them and they develop but we can also 
develop other aspects of this. So we can add to these automatic behaviors. And three areas that they refer to in uh, the chimp paradox are autopilots, goblins, and gremlins. So autopilots are all the positive constructive beliefs, behaviors, and automatic functioning that help us to be successful and happy in life. They can be placed in the computer at any age. So autopilots could include, for example, riding a bike, staying calm when some things go wrong, really important for trading, focusing on solutions rather than problems, also important in trading, tying a shoelace, being organized and disciplined as a routine, having a positive self-image, all these things are good, positive behaviors that we can implement. Now, goblins and gremlins are more or less the opposite of autopilots. They are unhelpful and destructive behaviors. So... A goblin is usually put into the computer when you are a very young age. And now we've spoken a bit about like, this sort of stuff. And this is probably reference to the story time we had on Friday with um, Morris and Adriana. This can be like young age trauma, stuff like that. So a goblin is usually put into the computer when you're very young. During the very early part of your childhood, your computer tends to hardwire any information put into it. So goblins are more or less hardwired into the computer at a very and are very difficult to remove. So you need to learn to contain them. As a rule, goblins occur before the age of about eight and gremlins usually occur after the age of eight. Now, I believe this um, is reference to the fact that we don't have the ability for our logical brain to protect our emotional brain. Um, and we've discussed this. And so these gremlins get put in there without any sort of filter. And that's kind of where our core beliefs and values um, stem from. And this is where they sort of branch out and they sort of make us who we are and the behaviors and et cetera, et cetera, that we've also spoke about quite a bit. Um, so as gremlins are soft wired, so gremlins are the, so, uh, sorry, let me read this again. Just lost the spot. So as a rule, goblins occur before the age and gremlins are soft wired. When you find them, you can remove them. So the gremlins, you can remove these distinct between this distinction between goblins and gremlins is only made because it is important to know which ones can be removed and which ones probably can't be removed. That way, you are not trying to do the impossible. Either way, you can deal with these unhelpful creatures once you have detected them. So this talks about the concepts of whether or not we can unlearn bad behaviors and replace them with good behaviors, or if these are some traumas or core beliefs and values which we hold so strong, and we need to work with them. We need to gather further information. We need to build on them, and we need to actually learn how to manage these things because this makes us who we are. So the difference between gremlin and goblin is quite important. And the difference between your core beliefs and trauma that make you who you are and some bad habits that you've picked up on the way is also very important. Chuck some ones in the chat if you're still, sort of still following me here. I'm about to give you an example of the goblins. Ones. Cool. I haven't lost too many people. Perfect. All right. So an example of a goblin, and I think this is a really good example, is the fridge door syndrome. And it depicts the most common example of a goblin. This one affects most of the Western world. So the first day of school, there's a young child is full of emotion. The teacher says to the child, let's paint a picture for your parents. After painting the picture, the child runs home to show the parents. As the child runs up to the parent, the parent says, what is that you've got? The child hands over the painting. The parent responds, this picture is fantastic. You are very clever. I'm so proud of you. I want the world to know just how good you are and then puts the picture on the fridge door for all the world to see just how clever the child is. What has happened is that the child now has a great big goblin to share life with. Uh, the name of this book is The Chimp Paradox. 
by Professor Steve Peters, just answering some questions in the chat. So what's happened is you've now got this big goblin because you have to show the world. So let's look at the same scenario with a different approach. The child returns from school with a painting and runs to the parents. The parents responds with, hang on, moves the painting to the side, hugs the child. Then the parent says, I'm so proud of you and you are very clever. And I want the world to know just how proud I am of you. Now, what is that that you have got? The parent and the child now have a discussion about the painting and the parent compliments the painting and the child and then asks the child if they would like to put it on the fridge because it's pretty. In the first scenario, what the parent did was tell the child that it was clever and that the parent was proud of it because of what the child had achieved. In other words, implying that the child's worth is dependent on the painting. Then the parent went on to tell the child that they wanted to tell the world now by putting this picture on the fridge. The message to the child was, it is what you can achieve in life that will make you worthy. It is what you do that will make others see you in a good light. And I think we can all um, agree that this probably isn't the best lessons to be learned, but it's a very common um, way to, to handle these situations. Now, the message on the second child was, you are worthy just as you are. It is who you are that is being loved and respected, and you don't have to achieve anything in order to get this. The parent then went on to say that achieving things is good, but these shouldn't be mixed up with your own self-worth. Now, I feel like when we're on the charts, we have a very similar um, thought process to this, and it's probably because most of us got brought up in the first scenario. Often, we feel like we need to achieve trading because of a self-worth, or we need to show people that we're worthy. I mean, put some ones in the chat if you feel like you need to make this happen so that you can show others that you were right for following this path. Because that's what I've thought for a while. And if you don't, that's fine. But I, for a very long time, was like, I need this to work so I can prove to people that what I'm doing is, you know, does work and that I'm right. And I can, I can do that. I can, I can partly feel that. Yep. Prove to my family. Yeah. So there's a lot of this proof because our self-worth comes from the accomplishments that we make. So sometimes when we're trading and we get stuck in this trade and we can't let go of the idea of it being a buyer or a sell, it's like, no, I have to be right. It has to go down. I have to make money on this trade. Oh, I need to feel worthy. And like, you might not have it that clear cut, but the subconscious, that's where it's coming from. That's what's screaming at you. And it's not until you get that winning trade or you make this particular amount or you pass this challenge that you feel worthy, that you feel like you've achieved something. Right. So an example of a gremlin um, here is kind of like the twins of unrealistic expectations and unhelpful expectations. So check to see if you're being realistic and reasonable about any expectations you have is always well worth doing. If your expectations are unrealistic or unhelpful, then it is almost guaranteed to lead to very strong negative emotions within you. Typically, emotions such as frustration, anger, or disappointment rush in. Now, I can pretty much guarantee that every single person on this call listening on this podcast if they're a trader has felt this <laughs> this unrealistic expectation for a trade they get taken out and they feel frustration anger or disappointment because they feel they should have got more i know i have a lot so consider a simple gremlin that says i believe that i should always be on time if you are late for whatever reason then you are likely to become stressed as you're going to as you're going on a belief that you should always be on time you can replace the gremlin with an autopilot that says i would like to be on time whenever i can but sometimes this can't happen and it's not the end of the world and I'll deal with it. 
This is a more realistic belief that is likely to relax you and help you to act more like an adult than a child if things don't go according to plan. So imagine if we were like, oh yeah, I'm going to enter this trade. I would like it to go to here, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't. I have a stop loss in place and I'm happy with these points. This is going to reduce a lot of frustration, a lot of emotional trading and a lot of revenge trading when you go, it's going to go to here, it's going to go to here. Oh no, I'm wrong. I should have had more points. This is the exact feeling I had yesterday on our call when I had a really good trade and I could have got it further, but I changed what I wanted to do because of emotion. And then I was very disappointed. This led to, led to further emotion, which I have carried into this morning with me and um, another losing trade. So it does play through. And I think that simple terminology and verbiage that we can use shifting from, you know, in this example in the book, if I believe that I should always be on time to I would like to be on time whenever I can, but sometimes this can't happen and it's not the end of the world. These are two very different verbiages of the exact same concept. And we can do this a lot in trading as well. I would like to get 5% per day, but I'm more than happy with 2%. And if I don't get five, who cares? You know, I would like to make this trade work and I'd like to get profit from this, but I understand the charts move in any way. And so if it goes against me, I've got proper risk management. So who cares? This allows you to then not get emotionally impacted by what happened and allows you to progress into the next trades emotion-free with a clear-cut head and not feeling the emotions from the last trade. Does that make sense to people? So we have autopilot, which creates our habits. We have the, which creates our good habits. And we have the goblins and gremlins, which create, which are the, you know, the beliefs and values um, the, the, sorry, the trauma from an early age and then the gremlins who are sort of bad habits that we can definitely change. And then it goes on to talk about the um, the stone of life. And this is where the truth, your, your truths lie and your values and your life force. And it also goes on to talk about how ev like the human and the monkey or the logic and the emotion always come back to this stone of truth, which is in your autopilot. And it comes back to your core beliefs and values, which I think is really important. And um, I think if you haven't read this book, I would definitely recommend having a read of that because it's got some very good tips in it. Now, I want to relate this to Atomic Habits, which is another great book. Um, and this chapter is about how to find and fix the cause of your bad habits. So what we're talking about here is every behavior has a surface level craving and a deeper underlying motive. I often have a craving that goes something like this. I want to eat tacos. If you were to ask me why I want to eat tacos, I wouldn't say because I need food to survive. But the truth is somewhere deep down, I am motivated to eat tacos because I have to eat to survive. The underlying motive is to obtain food and water, even if my specific craving is for a taco. So what it's saying here is that if we dig deeper, we can find these core reasons and core beliefs as to what our motives are for the actions we take and the things that we do. But sometimes they are fronted, um, you know, with a different, with a different face, shall we say. A craving is just a specific manifestation of a deeper underlying motive. And I thought this was really important um, because we were talking about manifesting and what manifesting does is bring up the thoughts to the forefront of the mind. So if we have a craving to enter a trade, what else have we been manifesting? Is this craving coming from a deeper gremlin that is possibly one of these 
underlying human motives? Or is it an autopilot of good behavior? Maybe looking, okay, I've been manifesting this trade for a long time. And now it's getting closer and playing out exactly as I want. I have a craving to fulfill this desire of a, of a good trade. So some of these underlying um, motives include conserve energy, obtain food and water, find love and reproduce, connect and bond with others, win social acceptance and approval, which I think is based on what we were talking about before, reduce uncertainty, which is really good for when we're talking about trading, and achieve status and prestige. So I have a craving to reduce uncertainty by manifesting our trades that we like and it getting closer to playing out as exactly as I like. The craving is to reduce the uncertainty of other things happening and take a strong trade. Does that make sense? I know it's a bit wordy and convoluted. Okay to say no. <laughs> and I can go over it again, but we've got some yeses. Okay. All right, perfect. So here it's got some examples. Look at nearly any product that is habit forming. And you'll see that it does not create a new motivation, but rather latches onto the underlying motives of human nature. So find love and reproduce using Tinder, perhaps. Connect and bond with others, browsing Facebook. Win social acceptance, posting on Instagram. Reduce uncertainty, searching on Google. Achieve status and prestige, playing video games. And um, sometimes people refer to trading kind of like a video game. And so if you want status and prestige, maybe you are trading because you want to be seen by a community like Teresa is. I don't think that was her objective, but it might be yours. You never, like everyone's different, right? So your habits are modern day solutions to ancient desires, new versions of old vices. The underlying motives behind human behavior remain the same. The specific habits we perform differ based on the period of history. Here's the powerful part. There are many different ways to address the same underlying motive. One person might learn to reduce stress by smoking a cigarette. Another person learns to ease their anxiety by going for a run. Your current habits are not necessarily the best way to solve the problem you face. They are just the methods you learned to use. Once you associate a solution with a problem you need to solve, you keep coming back to it. Habits are all about associations. These associations determine whether we predict a habit to be worth repeating or not. As we covered in our discussion of the first law, your brain is continually absorbing information and noticing cues in the environment. Every time you perceive a cue, your brain runs a simulation and makes a prediction about what to do in the next moment. As you can see, these two books are talking very similarly to each other because we have the gremlin, perhaps, as smoking a cigarette and the autopilot for going for a run. One is negative, one is positive. Now, we have a choice to decide whether we're going to use bad behavior to respond to the cravings, to respond to the motives, the underlying motives, or good behaviors. So that makes sense to people. And on the charts, we need to discover who we are. We need to discover what the underlying motives are that are making us make decisions and then associate good behaviors with them, not bad behaviors. Okay, I lost a trade. Do I let a gremlin just revenge trade and smash the button? Or do I circle it, come back to it, reassess and learn what it was doing? Do I write in my emotional journal exactly how I'm feeling so that when I'm emotion-free, I can come back and self-evaluate? 
These are the difference between autopilots and gremlins. These are the difference between making it or not. We got to understand the underlying motives behind why we have these cravings and therefore the actions we take. And then, yeah, damn gremlin, exactly. And then we have to decide, can we create an autopilot, a good habit, or can we create, or are we creating a gremlin, a bad habit? And by repeating, 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 manifesting our trades, waiting for them to come, and then being proud that we waited or entering early and then analyzing why we entered early and what we could do different, this process repeated is going to create this habitual cycle where you can do things almost automatic. You can see and wait without having to consciously think about waiting for your perfect setup to come up. You can be patient and understand that this isn't the right environment for me to trade it according to my rules. And then you can decide whether when you take a bad trade, you're going to let the gremlin in or the autopilot and you can choose your path. So you see a cue, just going back to the book. Cue. You notice that the stove is hot. Prediction, if I touch it, I'll get burned, so I should avoid touching it. Q, you see the traffic light turn green. Prediction, um, sorry, did I finish that sentence? Otherwise, it's really about associations. Yeah, so that's right, talking about the predictions. Every time you perceive a Q, your brain runs a simulation and makes a prediction about what to do in the next moment. So Q, you see the traffic light turn green. Prediction, if I step on the gas, I'll make it safely through the intersection and get closer to my destination. So I should step on the gas. You see a cue, categorize it based on past experience and determine the appropriate response. This all happens in an instant, but it plays a crucial role in your habits because every action is preceded by a prediction. Life feels reactive, but it's actually predictive. So we see a bullish engulfing candle. We predict if I make this trade, will it go up? But then we have to gather more information. We see an EMA right in the way. Our prediction, it could reject off that. I should stay out. Using these cues and predictions, we can form our habits. We need to do this repetitively so that we can get all the information as fast as we can and automatically. So the cause of your habits is actually the prediction that precedes them. These predictions lead to feelings, which is how we typically describe a craving. A feeling, a desire, an urge, all emotion-based. So feelings and emotions transform the cues we perceive and the predictions we make into a signal that we can apply. They help explain what we are currently sensing. For instance, whether or not you realize it, you are noticing how warm or cold you feel right now. If the temperature drops by one degree, you probably won't do anything. If the temperature drops by 10 degrees, however, you'll feel cold and put on another layer of clothing. Feeling cold was the signal that prompted you to act. You have been sensing the cue the entire time, but it's only when you predict that you'll be better off in a different state that you take action. And lastly, a craving is the sense that something is missing. It is the desire to change your internal state. When the temperature falls, there is a gap between what you, your body is currently sensing and what it wants to be sensing. The gap between your current state and your desired state provides a reason to act or a motivation. The gap between your current balance and your desired balance forces you to act, right? We're talking about it in trading. The feeling that you're having now and your estimated feeling of winning the trade is going to determine the actions you take. And if you feel no emotion, you won't take action to change. This is why I say a feeling emotion is important. So when you take those losses, it's okay to feel emotion, but you have to act in the right manner. 
because feeling emotion to a certain degree is exactly what's going to make you want to change and act. So desire is the difference between where you are now and where you want to be in the future. Neurologists have discovered that when emotions and feelings are impaired, we actually lose the ability to make decisions. How true is that on the charts, right? When emotions and feelings are impaired, we actually lose the ability to make decisions. It's the emotions that allow us, that allow you to mark things as good, bad, or indifferent. Whenever a habit successfully addresses a motive, you develop a craving to do it again. Habits are attractive when we associate them with positive feelings. So you can see these two books coincide quite well, especially in those chapters and how we can relate them to trading. Now, I'm sorry I did a bit of reading there, but I thought those two chapters, because I was rereading, um, were actually really, really important. And un this goes back to understanding ourselves, understanding how habitual we are as humans, understanding that we do have that computer brain, that automaty, that's not right, that automatic functioning, and that we do have the choice to create a gremlin or an autopilot. We do have a choice to create a good habit or a bad habit from the things that happen to us. And what happens is as they happen over and over again, you find the cue again and the prediction is based on the previous feeling. So if you're continuing to do the bad habits over and over again, your cue will predict the negative. But if you can start to shift that, understand that maybe you've got a gremlin and you want to shift it to an autopilot, then your cue will hopefully start to predict the positive. So I hope that made sense to people. May have been a lot to process, especially just from hearing rather than reading yourself. But these two books are very powerful. Automatic Habits by James Clear and Professor Steve Peters, The Mind Management The Chimp Paradox, The Mind Management Program for Confidence, Success and Happiness. Both very, very good books. Both have a lot of takeaways and a lot of important things to to um to read there so if you've read them i recommend reading them again if you haven't read them i recommend reading them um hopefully i've made a bit of sense today and summarized why it's good to manifest and continuously do the actions um that we want to see on the charts anyway for now i'm going to leave it there trading calls just about to start oh, yeah. and um for those who are not trading with us i shall see you tomorrow and for all of you, I love you, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.